This is VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Here is your host, Josh Applebaum. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. This is VEASAN Morning Daily Bets for Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Ben Wilson in for Josh Applebaum on the Tuesday and Wednesday editions of this show. And let's get right into it, folks. We have a lot to get to. We are approaching the official sports equinox, which will be next Monday, October 30th. But starting tonight, all four major sports are in session with the NBA's opening night. We'll get to that in a little bit as well as a thought on the College Football Tuesday card. A little Conference USA action for your Tuesday night. But we begin with the game of the night. It can only be the Major League Baseball postseason. It is NLCS game number seven with the winner taking on the Texas Rangers who mashed their way to an 11-4 game seven win over the Houston Astros. A lot of people and the betting market was surprised this game is even happening. Arizona Diamondbacks and Philadelphia Phillies. Phils yesterday get bet up from $1.70 favorites on the opener. As high as minus 195 in some shops, consensus close of minus 190. Over 80% of the bets, 80% of the handle was all on Philadelphia. And then Merrill Kelly and the Diamondbacks came out and pitched and hit. Just an amazing game overall. 5-1 win in game six for Arizona to tie the series at three games apiece. So here we go into game seven. Interesting to look at how the market already has developed, even in just the few overnight hours since game six wrapped up. Consensus opener in the Philadelphia, anywhere from minus 150 to minus 155 range. Interesting when you consider that the pitching matchup on paper, and we'll get into it in a second here, it's a much bigger edge for Philadelphia on the starting pitching side in game seven tonight than what it was in game six last night when you had two essential aces basically going out, Merrill Kelly for Arizona and Aaron Nola for Philadelphia, yet this is a price that opened 20 cents lower and 40 cents lower than the close from game six. So I look at that and go, all right, obviously, and we'll get into the pitching matchup here, but Philadelphia had to be the play. And the betting market looked at that opening number and basically felt the same thing. Early reports here, again, just into the overnight hours. So these numbers are obviously subject to change, but almost 95% of the handle is on Philadelphia in the overnight hours. It is going to be not only a public, but also a respected money play here. And as I press record, I'm already seeing this number. It's up to a consensus minus 170. So we've already seen, for the most part in the market, a 20-cent line move. Cheapest number you can get right now is about minus 165. So some books haven't climbed all the way to minus 170, but we're seeing some shops in the market even some offshores I'm seeing that are getting north of $1.70. So wouldn't be surprising for me to see this close more in the minus 175 range for Game 7. Would represent a pretty significant shift up of 20 to $0.25. Cents. And I agree with the move because while Brandon Fott pitched the game of his life last time out, Game 3, five and two-thirds innings against Philadelphia, two hits, no runs. And his last two postseason starts, he's only given up four hits in nine combined innings, no runs and 11 strikeouts. The overall numbers from the regular season and, and the majority of the data we have suggests it's much more likely that this thing starts regressing to the mean and likely happens tonight in Game 7. 3-9, and nine, 572 ERA in the regular season for Brandon Fott. The big thing I want to focus on, though, is the home runs. Gave up 22 homers this year, over two homers per nine innings pitched. Second most given up in Major League Baseball behind only Lance Lynn, who gave up about 2.2 homers per nine on average. You're taking on a Phillies lineup that, if you've watched this series, has been a home run hitting machine. Sands last night in the 5-1 loss. Second most homers in the second half of the regular season. That has continued throughout the postseason. So I like the hitting matchup for Philadelphia. 
making adjustments against Fott in Arizona with the Phillies in their home park. And you combine that with Ranger Suarez, who very quietly has become one of the more underrated, great postseason pitchers we are watching in recent history. In fact, after his last outing, he opposed Fott in game three. Those two had a no decision when Suarez went five and a third, did not allow a run on three hits, one walk, and seven strikeouts. His career postseason numbers in 28 and a third career innings pitched, he is now at a 0.94 ERA. If you're wondering where that ranks all time, it's number one. A guy named Sandy Koufax, maybe you've heard of him, is second all-time, 0.95 ERA. Granted, about double the innings, 57 innings for the great former Dodger Sandy Koufax. But that's just how good Ranger Suarez has been. So you give me the pitching edge much greater for Philadelphia than it was in Game 6. And you give me a line that, at least as of open, was 40 cents lower than the closing line the previous night. Even though I feel like the edge is much more on the Philadelphia side in Game 7. Despite missing out on that early number, seeing this market move up, I wouldn't play it any higher than minus 170, but those are all readily available in the market. I will give out in his official play minus 165, since as I record, that's still available at multiple books. But this thing is likely getting to 175, if not higher, by the time the first pitch hits at 8.07 Eastern tonight. So that's my play for Game 7 in the NLCS. Not much movement on the total. It opened 8.5, was juiced at most books to the over. Some money coming into the under, not enough yet to move this off the eight, but we are seeing a lot of eight and a halves now. I should say moving it off the eight and a half to eight, but we are seeing a lot of these eight and a halves now juiced under at anywhere from minus 115 to 120. A couple of flat eight and a halves still out there. No opinion for me there. All right, as I mentioned, a lot to get to on the show today. We have NBA opening night up next, and also we'll talk about how to bet the college football Tuesday card, a tasty matchup in Conference USA. Comes your way right after this. You're on Beeson Morning Daily Bets. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as a reminder here on VEASAN Morning Daily Bets, if you'd like more baseball content, check out my colleague Adam Burke and great friend Adam Burke. Daily columns, write-ups at VEASAN.com, as well as the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets podcast as well for more deep dive analysis on the Major League Baseball postseason. Speaking of plugs, Hardwood Handicappers is back for another year with our resident senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. Hardwood Handicappers back because the NBA regular season, it starts tonight with two really tasty games. No plays for me here, but want to break down the market and maybe maybe try to steer some betters who might fall into a trap away from just a general narrative and storyline that doesn't really have much historical data behind it. And I'm talking about the ring night 
potential hangover or fade spot that you hear people talk about in general. It's not a real thing. That's the big thing I want to talk about here with Lakers and Nuggets tonight. That is one of our two games going. We have the lid lifter in Denver tonight. Rematch of last year's Western Conference Final. This opened consensus Denver minus four and a half. And keep in mind, these opening night lines have been up since the summer. Most shops were in the four and a half range, some as low as four. That has now been bet up in the market. We're sitting at either five or five and a half right now is your market high on the Denver Nuggets. We've also seen a tick up of about two points on the total from 226 and a half over the summer. Now up to 228 and a half. Big reason why. Now the Lakers in the preseason, if you believe the preseason will translate into the regular season, took a ton more threes, averaging about five three-pointers attempted more than they were in the regular season last year. How that will manifest in a specific game one tonight, it's anybody's guess, but market felt like that was worthy of a couple-point line movement. The whole ring night fallacy, though, teams defending their championships, getting their rings. I think a lot of people have the, the image of the Miami Heat getting blasted on their ring night all those years ago and losing by, what, 40-some? But in reality, last 11 years, those teams defending their and raising the banner, defending their championship on opening night, getting the rings, 9-2 and two straight up, 7-4 and four against the spread. So it's nominally and really just a false narrative to say, all right, you have to bet the Lakers simply because it's a fade, the team on the ring night spot. We'll say this, especially in support of L.A., to go on the other side here, despite the Nuggets sweeping the Lakers in the Western Conference Final last year, Nuggets only covered two of those four games, actually failed to cover each of the games at Ball Arena in Denver. So it was a series that was played a little bit tighter than some might remember. Keep that in mind for tonight. It's why it's a stay away for me. I have no action on Lakers and Nuggets, nor do I have action in Suns and Warriors. That's your other game. I do lean Suns because while this is the time of year where you generally have the cleanest of the injury reports, one big injury for Golden State, star Draymond Green is out tonight. And so this market has moved in favor of the road Phoenix Suns, who have their first game under new head coach Frank Vogel. Devin Booker and Bradley Beal get to suit it up for the first time together. They were both questionable on the official injury report. Vogel saying, though, those two are each good to go. Market went from Warriors minus one and a half at the open. Now down to pick them most shops. Have a couple of stray Warriors minus ones out there, but expect this to probably close Suns uh, either at that Strong Pickham or even Suns minus one would not surprise me either with the loss of Draymond Green. And because of that loss, we've actually seen an additional move in the totals market with the lack of defensive presence that Draymond provides. This was as low as 230 and a half when it opened over the summer, was bet up a couple points into the preseason, and now we've seen an additional move of two more points. So 234 and a half year consensus total, it's moved up an additional four points. And I would not be surprised to see both overs take money as we get into the pregame hours here today not only the public getting involved wanting points with the NBA back but also when you consider the lack of a defensive presence for Draymond Green expecting points to come in bunches from that Devin Booker Bradley Beal backcourt combo for Phoenix I would certainly lean with the Phoenix Suns at a pick but for me especially early on in the season I want to see with how soft the markets are right and how much we still have to be proved on for so many teams I just want to see how all these squads look in the early going and try to get a feel that way and bet from there on. It's almost like a, a bit of a blind play in the dark, so to speak, when you're betting these opening night games, unless you have really, really strong conviction there. Let's close the show with a thought on college football. We also have our midweek college football tonight. It's actually the last week of midweek conference USA. A lot of people thought at the start of the year that this Liberty at Western Kentucky matchup would be potentially a preview of the conference USA championship game. 
Liberty's lived up to that billing. They've been fantastic. 7-0, 5-0 in league play, but Western Kentucky has not. 4-3, just 2-1 in the conference. Fourth in Conference USA. Each team actually failed to cover last time out. Western Kentucky upset seven-point favorites, but they lose outright 20-17 at Jacksonville State. While it might have been a a look-ahead spot for Liberty, they were laying 16. Market was all in favor of the Flames last week. Laying 16 at home against Middle Tennessee. Only won that game by seven. 42-35. 42 to 35. I really like Liberty in this spot, largely because of the rush offense. First year head coach Jamie Chadwell comes over from Coastal Carolina, has been able to install a rush offense that's been in- insanely efficient. 5.7 yards per carry, sixth in the entire country. And Liberty understands that's their strength. So they have been pass, uh, pass, not averse, so to speak, but it's been let's force teams to stop us against the run. And then if we have to, we'll pass. So 340 carries this year as a team against just 155 passes. And they get a Western Kentucky team that has really underperformed expectations this season, not only on offense, but especially on the defensive end. 110th out of about 133 teams in the country in rush yards per carry allowed this year. Hilltoppers allowing nearly five a tote on the defensive side. So it's a great matchup for Liberty. And you combine that with just a mystifying Ugly offensive season for quarterback Austin Reed. He threw for nearly 5,000 yards last year. 40 touchdowns, 65% completion. This year, he's at under 2,000 passing yards, only 16 touchdowns and down to 59% completion, and we're well over halfway into the season. I was really high in Western Kentucky. It's, a, I think, a really good example and lesson for betters. And you can win a bet early in the season, but you can sometimes have negative takeaways on those teams you bet on even if they win you a ticket. And I had a winning ticket on Western Kentucky. I bet them in the second half week one against South Florida. And Western Kentucky was pretty fortunate to get the win that day, cover all those numbers. But I came away really unimpressed. And having watched Western Kentucky now, the rest of the season as it's played out, uh, just not that good of a team relative to what I thought coming into the year. Here's the issue, though, for wanting to bet Liberty in this game. Line opened at DraftKings minus two and a half for Liberty. Circa open minus three, and immediately those numbers were all taken off the board. We're up to Liberty, out to minus four and a half or five, consensus number of five in the market. Look, I'm not really a believer in chasing a college football move of of two, two and a half points, especially when it is starting either on one side or on a key number and moving completely off it with no market resistance whatsoever, where I respect all the money that's coming in. I agree with the line move. I like Liberty in the game. But I just have that that general principle that in the long run, if you're laying five when you could have laid three or three and a half even, it's just not a bet. Those are not the sorts of bets I'm looking to make day in, day out. How I would attack this, a lot of different options here. But money line right now, I'm seeing in the minus 205 to 210 range. That's not something I would bet just on its own. And so there's sort of this negative connotation that parlays are for suckers. You can't do it. Stay away. Avoid at all costs. I disagree. I really believe that if you're smart, if you're disciplined about parlays, you can make them really profitable for you. I always limit my my money line parlays to two teams, especially betting football. And so let's look at a team I like in Liberty, but I've missed out on a, a number of two and a half or three. How about I throw them in a two-team money line parlay? Let's just to make this, we, my goal is always maybe minus 150 or better. So you're not having to stomach too much of VIG that you're paying. How about Liberty pair them up with a team, say UCLA, who's a 17-point favorite against Colorado. I certainly believe UCLA will win that game. Wouldn't be surprised if UCLA covers going away either against Colorado primetime Saturday night. 
you pair those two teams together, you're down to minus 147 on a two-team money line parlay. And you can do all sorts of different iterations of that. So that would be my play. Put Liberty in as a money line parlay leg. Try not to go crazy. Don't go more than two legs. But anything sub minus 150 where you're having Liberty as your first leg of that money line parlay, a really good way to attack this Tuesday night game. We've also seen some movement uh, to the total here in this game so far where the money has uh, started to come in a little bit to the over here. This open 61 market wide. We're now at a consensus 61 and a half. Some books touching 62 at this point. One offshore even as high as 62 and a half. It is a loaded Tuesday on this October 24th. Hope you enjoy all the action. When we come back tomorrow, we will know our World Series matchups. We'll have an initial thought on the World Series series price. Looking ahead to the game one, we'll also have some more action in the NBA as well as midweek college football. It's been a loaded show. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope you've gotten you off to a nice start to the morning here. Best of luck with all your bets, and thanks for tuning in to this Tuesday edition of VEASAN Morning Daily Bets. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.